Today we have Monique Holm on the show. Do you want to know how to become a successful real estate investor? Monique was a corporate litigator who became a real estate investor by accident. She's since invested in single family, multifamily, mobile home and RV parks, and the latest asset class is industrial, which has been extremely hot in the market. She's a best-selling author, a podcast host, and a rock star investor. Listen and learn how you can get involved. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Monique before we start the show. Monique was a corporate litigator who lost her job and had to find a way to make ends meet, so she learned house hacking. Since then, she's grown her real estate portfolio by completing large real estate transactions in multiple asset classes. She continues to push the boundaries on what she can achieve, and she has this incredible goal of helping one million women achieve financial freedom. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Monique Holm with us. Monique, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Darren. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how I know Monique. Um, This goes back probably close to four years ago. Um, It was my first multifamily networking event, and I met Monique and her husband, Peter, and... um, you know, they were, they were already experienced investors and I've just seen her blow up on social media and she's got her own podcast. She's wrote a book. I mean, she's just doing great things. So I'm excited to have her here today. Um, Monique, typically the first question I ask is how many properties and how many units you're invested in. Um, I'm typically having, you know, people that are focused on multifamily, but I know that you're invested in a lot of different asset classes. So maybe share a little bit with uh, with the listeners. Yeah. So I, I was making a list because I have a variety of different things that I'm doing. So I am a multifamily. So we're in about 646 units and three properties. And we've, we've exited out of a, a few in the past year and a half, but currently... That and then we have 109 unit mobile home park, 109 units, 109 spot mobile home park, 199 spot RV park. How, how much? 199. Where is that RV park? It's in Louisiana. Okay. And we have a, um, a single family portfolio, 34 houses, Mississippi. And uh, recently we've been doing a lot in industrial. So we have, we just exited this month out of uh, 
six industrial, we had a six industrial park portfolio of 103 units. So we exited that as this, um, just a week ago. <laughs> so very, very good exit. And then we still have, uh, 11 other facilities, single tenant. Fantastic. So what? Mm-hmm. Why get into all these different asset classes versus just staying in in one lane? Why you got yeah. you you guys are involved in a lot of different things. That's a lot of things, yeah. As we've been going, so one of our our main focus. So we had started. Well, I started house hacking, and then I was like flipping and saying we were more in the single family side or small multifamily. And then when I first got into syndication, um, actually, we, we did the, in 2016, actually, our first syndication was a mobile home park. And we had a, we had a partner that was you know, really into mobile home parks and asked, he knew we were starting to syndicate, asked if we wanted to help raise money. He'd had a, a big investor coming from Korea who all of a sudden couldn't bring in the money. So he said, Hey, do you want to, would you be interested in, in helping me raise for this? And I was like, sure. So that was our first deal actually. And then we had a similar opportunity with the RV park. So we, we with did the those. same partner, different partner, different partner. Mm-hmm. I asked you about the RV park because I recently, <laughs> my wife and I recently bought an RV and, and uh, we, we started traveling. I think the end of April. So we started traveling around and and going to different RV parks. And, and it's got me interested yeah. in the real estate side of, of the business as well. Yeah. So this one is fascinating. It's not really one of a vacation RV park. It's workforce housing. So it's in Lake Charles, Louisiana. There are a lot of um, there are a lot of huge mega construction projects there. Um, mostly in the natural gas area, but they they're they're doing billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of um, projects there. And what happens is the workers that work, come and work on these projects, most of them come in with these RV parks or they are RVs and they'll, they'll park, um, they'll, they'll live there in the RVs. And so our, our tenants are workers at these um, large industrial projects nearby. It's funny because I was at dinner last night with two guys and one of them, his son is doing just that. His son is, is buying an RV because the company he's working for says, you know, look, we're going to be moving you around so much that it doesn't really make sense for you to have a year lease apartment, get an RV. You might be in this state for two or three months and then another state for two or three months. And, and so it just makes sense. And, and Somebody's got to provide a place for them to live, right? So why not you, right? And and these are highly paid, um, highly paid engineers, six figures, and and but they they have these RVs, so <laughs> that's that's our RV park. Fantastic. So talk a little bit about you. It sounds like you've been focused on industrial lately. Like why industrial versus multifamily? Um, yeah. You know, just in the space, I've heard. People talk about the two hot, hot, hot sectors over the last several years have been industrial and multifamily. So um, two hot spaces, but why industrial? So we got into industrial in late 2018, but the beginning of 2019 is when we purchased that 
the the six um, six uh, park portfolio that we just uh, exited out of. What happened was at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, we sold. We had two multifamily properties in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that we sold, and those properties were. Boy, were they, they were bears, but they were not <laughs> to C, they were there. One was like C minus minus. It, it was, it was a rough, a rough property. It's one of those, you know, every time we called, we just spoke to our property manager every week and I'd call and sort of just like brace what, myself. What happened? <laughs> it's like, what happened this week? Right. You know, like, oh, you know, like the fire or the drive-by shooting or the gun that was pulled on the property manager or this or that. It was always something. Oh, man. The, the, the break-in on Valentine's Day where they feel like the next morning they found a couple had broken in um, and they, they left rose petals and hypodermic needles. In Holy the- cow. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, they say that, you know, when you get into syndication, you buy these larger deals, you're not having to fix toilets and and write leases. But, you know, if you're in a tougher neighborhood, you still have problems to solve that that may be, you know, some other issues. It was a lot lot tougher than we'd, um, we'd bargained for. But we ended up, there was a 1031 exchange buyer who bought them. And so we were so happy to sell them because they were very stressful to own, but they bought it for a four cap, four cap. These really tough, arguably, you could even argue like a D plus property in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're not talking about, you know, B plus in Los Angeles, C minus Albuquerque, four cap. So, as a seller of the, and for my investors, I was like, yay, great. As a buyer, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't like competing in this type of market. I don't want to be a, I don't like being a, a buyer in a seller's market. I don't, I don't want to go where all the herds are going. Where else can I look? What, what else is out there? So you basically were saying like, hey, look, if he's willing to, to buy at four cap in a tough area in Albuquerque, I'm not going to spend my time trying to compete on these multifamily deals. That's what kind of led you to, to look at industrial. Yeah, more or less. It's just like, I, yeah, I don't think I, I want to, I, I don't want to swim in these waters. Right? Right. <laughs> like it's just, it's too many sharks. So what if, what else is there? And we were approached at that point, about this, this industrial project and um, from, you know, somebody who'd had many, many, many years in industrial. And it's like, okay, tell me, tell me more about industrial. Let me, let me learn about this. And I saw that industrial, even as retail was hurting, uh, office was hurting, as things were going more and more online, online retailers are needing industrial space. They need warehouses. They need distribution centers, right? There's, uh, so, and there's still very much, there's a lot of manufacturing in this country. There's food processing. There's, there's, you know, any industrial properties or any, any property where industry happens and we do have industry in this country. And so there was not the feeding frenzy 
in industrial. It, it has it's definitely gone up as uh, our this property that we bought in 2019 at 25, shy of 26 million, just sold for 49 million. <laughs> so nice. um, it, it's, it's definitely um, an increase in, in pricing and, and demand, but uh, it, it was just, it was not, it was not as competitive. So I saw it and I also love triple net leases. Mm. So, you know, when they, you know, we have our tenants, they pay rent plus they pay all the property taxes. They pay all the insurance. They pay all the maintenance. So if there's an issue with the toilets, they fix the toilets. There's an issue with the roof. They fix the roof. I love it. So a lot of the, a lot of the surprises that happen, uh, you know, when you're on the residential side, that can really mess with your your profitability. Those things are borne by the tenants. And yeah. Right. So listeners, I mean, if triple net, like like she said, is it's all the expenses are, are kind of taken care of. So, yeah, um, you, you know, on a multifamily deal, you know, property taxes, like in Texas, property taxes can be a big deal, you know, when you take it over and you're kind of uh, trying to guess where you think the, 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 the county is going to come in on property taxes, but you can end up having a big hit um, if all of a sudden your valuation is higher each year. And in these industrial deals, if it's a triple net lease, then, they, you know, the, the, whoever the tenant is, is responsible for the property taxes, which is huge. It's huge. It is huge. So it's really nice. They're, especially with our single tenant ones, there's just so few moving parts. So, now here's one of yeah. the, the things that, so I met a guy um, and that was involved with industrial. And, and one thing that he mentioned to me and I want to get your take on was that, you know, the typically five year contracts or seven year contracts and, and the rent bumps are already built in. So mm-hmm. he was saying that he he thought multifamily was attractive because their annual leases. And then if there's a lot of inflation, you can increase the lease rate, you know, annually where in the industrial side, it's pretty much baked in. So you, yeah. you can't adjust it once that, once that lease is on. There's a lot more fluctuation in the, on the multifamily side. So you, uh, on the multifamily side, you can do a lot better. And I, I recently, the with inflation, rents have increased insanely. Um, you can't always expect that type of, you know, that type of, uh, you know, those types of rent bumps that people have been seeing in some cases over 30% in a year. But um, the you you can, you'll generally do a lot. So, so for our investors, uh, a lot of our deals will have, um, you know, it's usually about eight to 10% cash on cash, um, annualized returns, looking at the high teens, maybe low twenties, um, up to usually like 17 to 20% annualized returns. And we, most of our, our, uh, leases are 20 year leases built in, built in, um, rent increases. We know exactly what our income is. We know exactly what our expenses are because it's that service. That's it. So we're, we, we, we pretty much going to hit, we'll hit our projections because, sure. you, unless, you know, the only, the, 
the variable is what do we exit at? Um, so we're, we're pretty conservative on where we exit. Price, the cap rates have been compressing. Prices are going up. So we're, we're, we're tending to be exiting higher than we. The other thing I would think that you would have to look at is, you know, if it's, if it's one tenant that's in the, in the property that you really have to do, you know, significant due diligence on the, you know, the quality of the business that has, because if all of a sudden that tenant, it's kind of like having a single family home, right? I mean, if you're a hundred percent occupied and you have the same tenant for five years that doesn't go anywhere, well, that's, that's a great tenant to have. Um, but if all of a sudden they leave, you know, you have to find somebody to take over that property. Right. So ex- they go exactly. bankrupt. Sorry. Yeah, we we are we do a type of our, our we're mostly the types of uh, industrial we invest in right now, or the way we do it is something called a sale leaseback. So it's basically a company that has the property already; they own it. They want to sell it, but they still want to use it. So they they usually are selling it to get equity out of that property. Um, there are also tax benefits. There are a variety of different reasons why they might want to sell, but they sell it and then they lease it back. That's why it's called a sale lease back. They go from being the owner to the tenant. And so we, it's nice that we really have very few moving parts. We don't have to touch the property we have to do anything to it. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's great. The mo, the most, the, you know, the main, main, main issue of due diligence, as you pointed out, is the company. So we have to do a lot to make sure that the company is not going anywhere and is set, looks like it's set to stick around for 20 plus years. Most of our companies are much older. I think the youngest one we've done was a 17 year old company. Um, and they're, but they've generally they've been around quite a few decades. They're super solid. Um, nine, you know, eight, eight to nine, sometimes even 10 figure businesses, but usually eight to nine figures um, that are just these solid companies, not, not necessarily you know, ones that you, you've heard of, but it's like a fencing company or a... Yeah, but I mean, due diligence wise, I mean, you could look at their P&L and their balance sheet over the last several you know years and see that they're healthy or they're, you know, they're growing yeah. and, you know, versus not, unless, you know, obviously, unless they're cook in the books, but, you know, assuming that the, the books are, are good books, uh, you can see yeah. their growth trends and, and the health of the, the balance sheet. Um, and we get, and we get their, we get their uh, quarterly as part of the lease. We, we get their quarterly financials. So we see how they're doing. And if things go awry, then, um, then we can, we have a lot of runway to deal with it. So, because that, that, that's our worst case scenario, losing that tenant. It's not as easy to replace them. Right, tenant. exactly. Depending on the type of property it is and how it's being yeah. used and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So what was your background before you got into to real estate? I was a lawyer. What kind um, of lawyer? I, Holy cow. I was a corporate litigator. Actually, before my last job, was a, I was actually a patent, patent litigator. So, uh, you don't want to run litigation. into Monique, right? On the other side. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I hated being, I was so miserable. As a you lawyer. were. I was so miserable. I'll give you a little anecdote. So one Tuesday morning, 
I was having like excruciating abdominal pain. So I went on Tuesday morning, I went to the ER. And when the doctor told me that my appendix had ruptured oh, no. and that I'd be in the hospital for several days, I ended up being in the hospital for nine days. And then um, I, I'd have at least 30 days afterwards to recover, he said. My first thought when he told me this was, oh, thank God I don't have to go to work for at least 30 days. Oh, no. <laughs> that was my second thought. Oh, no. <laughs> right? So like, listeners, there's probably somebody <laughs> that has a job that they don't like, you know, like, look, oh. you know, be true to yourself and find a way to get out. There's no no reason to stay in a job that's making you feel that that bad. That miserable. I mean, can you imagine wanting, like, preferring to be in the hospital with a life-threatening, excruciating illness than no. being in the office? No. So, that's how miserable So you're an attorney was, so. and... And then um, who was it? Was it you or Peter or, or both at the same time that decided to get into real estate? So I got into real estate while I was still an attorney by accident. The only thing I'd ever been taught about real estate growing up was that, you know, I, I was taught you go to school, you get the best job you can, you become a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer, right? right. Of, of those of those options, I chose law. Um, then you know, at some point you buy a house, right? You buy your house that you're going to live in, you buy your car, you buy a house, you put some money in a 401k, you work till you're 65, 70, you retire, you play golf for a few years, you die. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the secret you to, make, you make to it wealth, sound health, and happiness. so fantastic. <laughs> well, that, was the, that was the story I got. Hey, I that, don't know. <laughs> that's the way I grew up too. And, you know, I yeah. think there's a, most people are, are raised that way. Yeah, that was that was the, the story, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm dutiful. I'll do what I'm told. So that's what I did. I followed that path exactly. Um, you know, law school. I was on the partnership track in a law firm. Hated my life, but that's a you know. But at some point, I was like, okay, I guess I need to buy that house, right? That's what you do. And I live in LA, and this was back in 2005. So L.A., even back then, a starter home in a semi-decent neighborhood was upwards of $600,000, $700,000. And even though I, I had a six-figure income, a low six-figure income, it was tough to afford that by myself. And I ended up, you know, a friend suggested we buy a duplex. And I said, okay, since I could afford half a house, we did that. But we ended, instead of finding like one house with two equal sides, we ended up finding this old craftsman that had a bigger downstairs and a two bedroom upstairs and this converted garage in the back. So we each took a bedroom in the bigger unit and then rented out the upstairs and rented out our back house. And then I was house hacking before I knew that was a thing. And it's just like, wow, this is awesome. These people are paying my mortgage, this is great. And then when I met Peter, he had a duplex and we got a single family rental together. Um, I had the great fortune of, uh, we got married in 2007. And just, yeah, we said last week we celebrated 15 years. And, Congratulations. Um, thank you. And we, uh, so... And I, I got pregnant and I, a week after I told my boss that I was pregnant, he called me into his office. I thought I was going to get a bonus because I've been working so hard. So many days past midnight and instead um, I got fired. No so, way. Are you kidding me? 
No, I'm not kidding. So, um, how could he do that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was right. Um, but anyway, this it, you know what? It, it was, was the best thing, the, right? The best thing he ever did for me. Um, because I was so pregnant, I thought, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be hired right now. And then that's like, going to take a maternity leave. I just, I'll wait until after I give birth, take a short maternity period. Then I'll look for another job. And my daughter was born in late August of 2008. Within a month after she was born, the markets crashed. The economy went, you know, they went into free fall. Terrible time to find another job. You know, and... Um, which was a, which was a blessing because I really, really hated law and I had to find something else. Uh, we ended up selling one of our duplexes. We started flipping houses and we got in, in the, actually the real estate saved us financially. Um, and, and then I, I got, I got into that. Um, Good for you. Um, you know, you're not the first story I've heard where it's been like accidental, real estate, you know? So I've, mm -hmm. I've heard people say that they, you know, they were in a, in a single family house and then all of a sudden they got relocated and they, you know, it wasn't a good time to sell. So they rented it. And then all of a sudden they saw the cash flow and they were like, Oh wow, I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to start doing this more often. And, um, you know, that's where I, you know, for listeners benefit, look, everybody starts with one investment, right? With, everybody starts with none. And you can start with a single family home, a duplex, or you can go right into large scale multi, uh, you know, multifamily syndication or any of these other asset classes um, that we were talking about earlier. But yep. it's a way to grow your wealth, you know, while you're not having to work it every day. And um, until you see it, until you see the cash flow coming in, it's really hard to understand, you know? I mean, people that are in real estate are like, wow, this is the best thing ever. And then people that are still in that life that you were talking about, you know, get it, get a good job, climb the corporate ladder, put a little bit of money in the 401k. They can't understand it, right? So yeah. what's your advice to people that are in that world and you're trying to explain like, look, you're missing, you're missing out. Yeah. How do you explain it to people? Well, you know, I, I, I recently did a TEDx talk and in my talk, I was talking about how do you create crisis proof finances? Because at that time when I got fired and then 2008 happened, we, we were in a serious crisis and I, you know, I'd done everything. We even have had some real estate and I had some investments and we had savings. The average American, I think, has less than $1,000 of savings. Less than $1,000? Yeah, I think there's like 61% or something of oh, wow. less than $1,000. Know, and 40% have less than $400. And, and it, you know, you can find yourself, and most of us are only taught, even when you have a good job, right? You've gone to school and you have a good job. We're only taught to trade our time for money. And if it's fine, you're like, oh, I have a great job. I'm making six figures, whatever. I'm fine. But 
if you can't work for whatever reason, you get sick, you get fired, you know, you, you lose that stream of income without you. I, I think of financial stability like a table. And most of us are taught, and in our streams of income are the legs of that table. Most of us are taught to have one leg on our table. So something happens and there goes your leg and it comes crashing down. So to have financial stability, you want multiple legs on your table. So you can lose a leg and you still have plenty of legs holding you up. And you want to have legs that most of the legs are not dependent on your time. So if you're, you can't work for whatever reason, or you don't choose to work or you can't work, then your table stays steady and your table stays firm. So you're, you're gone, but your, your legs and the real estate still working for you. That's, right? that's Hold, great. Holding I, you up. I've never heard that, you know, that discussion before and, and, you know, it put that way, but it makes so much sense. And, and like, I used to be in that world where like one financial stream, you know, was, was it. Yeah. And, and I think that most people are sold the fact that it's, that's the secure way to do it. Right. It's security. But just like what happened to you, you were pregnant and you all of a sudden you get called in the office and you get let go and you don't get anything on the way out, right? You yeah. get zero. Um, you know, sometimes- yeah, I got two weeks. How much? Two weeks? <laughs> you gave me two weeks. Two weeks. You know, if, it, if it's yeah. a, you know, there's certain people that, you know, it's a downsizing of a company and maybe they get a year of severance, you know, or something, but then it's over and just you're on your own and you have to figure it out. And so- um, you know, over time, building multiple streams of income is just a smart way to go um, go about it. And I, w I wish I was taught that at a much earlier age. Me too, me too, because it was it was really horrible. And you know, as we enter into another recession, um, I just yeah, it's so important for me um, to let people know it's like. Build up, the, have your money working for you so you don't have to work for your money. That, that is what will create true financial stability for people and freedom. Right? You have enough of those stream, passive streams of income that it exceeds your expenses. You can maintain your lifestyle. Like, then you work because you want to, not because you have to. And Absolutely. That is, that's where the... And it's one step after another. I mean, like you don't have to, you know, there's some people that they sold their company and they have a ton of money that they can get into, you know, these deals and put in a lot of money and that's kind of the value they bring. But there's other people that are like on the, on the fringes that are saying, well, I don't have a ton of money. I'd like to do this, but I don't know how. And, but you gave a perfect example is like, you know, you and somebody else went and got got a house. Um, it wasn't a traditional duplex, but it was basically, you know, was where you guys lived in one part of the, the house and, so, and you rented out the other. Um, there was a, a great little book. If you are a beginner, you know, haven't invested in real estate and you don't really understand all the concepts, um, Jake and Gino wrote a, write a, wrote a good book. I can't remember what it's, it's something about bees. Um, and, but I read it and it's an easy, easy read. And, you know, the one person just rented out a room in their house, you know, and, and then all of a sudden they started seeing the value of that cash flow. And then they went on to another property and another property. So it yeah. can be done for sure. Hey, I'm going to 
change the subject a little bit. Like, how'd you grow yeah, up? And before you, yeah. you do, I just want to offer on my website, reigoddesses.com, I have a, a free guide, um, investing in real estate from $1 to $1 million, investing strategies for every budget and every goddess. So you can go on, grab that for free. And I share. Can you spell that up. website? R-E-I for real estate investor goddesses.com. G-O-D-D-E-S-S-E-S. And on that, so you'll you'll see that that available there. So for anybody who's thinking, so I share different strategies, 12 different strategies. So if you're thinking, I don't I don't know if I have enough money. So I share four strategies that are little to no money down. And then if you're thinking, I, yeah, maybe I have some money, but I don't have time. It's like, who has time to go to all these open houses or to have a, you know, um, you know, it's just, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Like, okay, well, I share four strategies that are minimal time. And then if you're thinking, ah, but I don't want to be a landlord. I don't know if I want to get a call in three in the morning, <laughs> you know, about toilets or deal right. with, you know, tenants and termites and ever have to evict somebody. Then I share four strategies that um, where you don't have to deal with tenants. It's because there are a lot of uh, real estate investing is not one size fits all. So there's a there's a way to do it um, that will suit your your budget, your temperament, your desires. But it's important to just get in and get your your money working for you. Start building those legs under your table. Just get in. I love that. Um- you know, I always am talking about you got to take action at some point. I mean, you could listen to podcasts, read books, but you got you have to buy something at some point. And, you know, listen, just get in. I love that. Um, and check out her website because those are real strategies. And one thing I love about the real estate world is there, there really is no ceiling. It's kind of like whatever, whatever you can think in your head you know, and, and it changes over time. Like you start out with one property and then all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, well, what do I want to do next? And, um, maybe it's get into a different asset class. Maybe it's just to do a larger property, but look, I mean, there's, there are shopping centers, there are office buildings, there's skyscrapers, there's resorts, there's, I mean, there's all different types of asset classes that are real estate related, um, that you can get involved in. But, the first step, you gotta, you actually gotta buy something. Mm-hmm. So, some learning lessons. Any learning lessons that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, you were. I think you were going to ask me about growing up, or oh, I, w- I was. I was going to ask you how how you grew up, um, and you know, did you know that you would be successful when you were a child? Did I know that I would be successful? I had really, I have really great supportive parents. Um, I'm a first generation American. My parents are from Haiti. They've always said, Monique, you can be anything you want to be. I, um, in parentheses though, that was uh, as long as you're a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer, <laughs> right? Because that, that was what success was. Right. So I thought I would be one of those things. Right. So I, I never. I never doubted that, okay, the path is for me to go to school and then to graduate school right. and then get one of those, so go on one of those four paths. The transition from being a lawyer to real estate, how did your parents take that? Did they 
I mean, now I'm sure they're like, you know, you've shared financially where you're at and they're like, yeah. oh, great move. But in the beginning, were they like, really? They were, you know, well, I did not quit to do what I do. <laughs> I was fired. So I, I felt, I fell into it and they were, they, ne- they were always supportive of what I was doing. So it was never like, oh no, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, it just, it seemed like the next step and the next step. And I, and I had an older brother too, that had been doing real estate. He'd been talking to me about it for years. I just could not hear him. Uh, you could know, certain times, I, you know, it's, he was, he would tell me about syndications. He was telling me about this. And when he was speaking, it was like, wah, 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 wah. Like I just could not hear him talk. Isn't it crazy? And now you are on the other end and I'm sure that you can see people in your mind that when you talk to them, whether it be friends, family, you know, colleagues, whatever, that you can see that they're seeing your lips move, but they're not going to take action. They are, they haven't drank from the Kool-Aid. They, they, you know, they don't see the value in it. They're fearful, whatever the case may be, they're not ready for it yet. It creates a pair. It it requires a paradigm shift. And talk about that paradigm shift. So the, you know, one of the first paradigm shifts is to shift from thinking that money is something that, you get when you trade your time for it, right? So the, you know, the, ca- the cash flow quadrant. I was at a, um, I was at an event on a cruise, Robert Kiyosaki was speaking and I, and he was talking about the different mindset levels and each of those, right? So there's an employee mindset and then there's a self-employed mindset. There's a business owner mindset and then there's you know, investor mindset. And, all, and so at the employee mindset level, right? And you can be in, you can be a super successful, super well-paid employee. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but- And, and there's people that love what they do. I mean, so be it. Like that. that's good. For, great. That's good. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think do what you want to do but get your money working for you as well. Right? Right. Like exactly. also have, you know, your money working for you. So you have all those legs at the table, but you know, if that's all you're thinking, like I just trade my time for money and my goal is to get the better and better job. And are not thinking about tax benefits normally. Right. It's just like, I, I work, I get, you know, so that that's that mindset. It's, it's a certain one. Then people go, Oh, you know what? I want to, I want to own my, you know, I want to be in charge of my own thing and I'm going to be self-employed, right? I'm going to create my own little thing. But when you're self-employed, you're still trading your time for money. You're just, now you own the job as opposed to somebody else owning the job and you, but your, your clients, you're working for that, that client. Actually, when I, when I heard that, um, Robert Kiyosaki speak, I realized I was, I had that self-employed mindset. I wasn't really fully in the business mindset yet. I was still working way too much in my business. Um, I didn't have a business that was more working for me. So then you get to the business mindset, then you have employees, you have systems, you have things that will work largely without you. And so you can you can be away from it, it'll work without you. And then at investments as well. So you're, and as an investor, Again, it, it's a it's a different shift because 
you know, on the on the right side of the quadrant, you're it's trading your time for money. On the left side, it's you're you're creating things or investing in things that are that are working for you and giving you money without you having to put your time in or put minimal time in. And for so the listeners' that, benefit, the le- the left side of the quadrant, as she mentioned, both the employee and the self-employed, that's yeah. where you're taxed the most, right? And yes. then on the right side, the business quadrant and the, the investor quadrant is where you're taxed the least. And so, you know, when you're taxed the least, that's where you get to save the most. Um, the, not save, but you you're able to take home the most um, net of taxes. Yeah, it's not just what you make that matters when we're talking about wealth building. It's what you get to keep. Yes. And and so we, yeah, that was the other paradigm shift that I, I received. I always thought that the more you make, the more you pay in taxes. Right? We have a progressive tax system. That was what we're taught, right? You make more money, you pay more taxes. I didn't realize that business owning businesses or real estate doesn't work that way. Right. And it, and especially with the real estate, you can, you're often making money, but losing <laughs> on paper for taxes, it's, you're paying less in taxes. Um, I was like, oh, really? So when I first found that out, I had a, a friend of mine who had been a super successful businessman. He had three multi, multi-million dollar businesses, found himself owing $500,000 to the IRS one year. And then he found out about the tax benefits of real estate investing. So he bought a, a apartment building. He bought an apartment building in Memphis, Tennessee. He's making six figures a year. But because of the tax, the way the tax code is structured, that purchase brought his taxes from $500,000 to zero. Wow. That's a huge, so it, huge, huge difference. Yeah. And then you think about how that compounds over over time, that five hundred thousand is now in an investment that's making him money versus just being sent to the, the government. Yeah. And um, but you know, there's, then there's certain people that are outside of the real estate world, and they're like, hey, you know, that's not fair, right? Like, why does that case? Well, the government puts together incentives to try to, you know, generate, uh, help grow the economy. And so, you know, yeah. look, he bought the, that apartment building, but. He had to hire a property management company. There's jobs associated with that. He he may have done a, a rehab on the property. And so he hired a rehab company to come in. He made the property nicer, you know, by, you know, putting putting capital into it. Um, so there's a lot of um, economic drivers from that. Yeah. Also, I, I found out, uh, there's a book called The Color of Money, but they were talking about why they first started giving incentives for owning real estate, either either having your own or um, as like where you live in or as a investment property. It started in the 1940s after World War II, and they started to give um, tax incentives for owning real estate because they thought it would help counteract communism. They thought if people owned property, then they wouldn't want to be communists. <laughs> So that's when that began. Is that as right? A, as a, Both as residential and commercial started that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wanted to. They wanted to get people owning property so they wouldn't become communists. <laughs> Very interesting. There are a variety of different reasons why the government um, decides to incentivize things, but 
you know, fair or not, that's how it is. So that that's is the game. Those is, are the rules of the game and you can benefit from them just like anybody else. Just play the, play the game so that it works for you. Exactly. Like, you know, I don't know, I guess I was, I don't know what the right words are, naive or, or just, I fell into being like most people that, you know, taxes are, I'm, I'm just not going to spend my time to really understand it, you know? And then when you start to realize the financial impact, when you understand it, it's, it can be, I mean, absolutely life-changing. And, and so, you know, that's another thing that, you know, to tell people is look, the tax benefits of getting involved in real estate is huge and you shouldn't neglect to, to educate yourself about that. Yeah, because it's not just what you make, it's what you get to keep. And you get to keep so much more. And a very savvy CPA, so often for business owners, once you start making a lot of money, a savvy CPA will say, you know what, you should look into buying some real estate. You'll pay less taxes. And um, yeah, people don't, but how are you going to know until you know? <laughs> but right. it's, it's good to educate yourself. Well, let me let me go someplace. You, you are... You're an inspiration. I mean, you're an inspiration to investors in general. You're inv- you're an inspiration to women. You know, to become investors. Um, you actually have you have a podcast um, called Real Estate Investor Goddesses. So, talk about you know what role that kind of plays for you in you know trying to get the the word out and help other women to you know build their own empire. Yeah. You know, when I, I went to my first syndication seminar in January, 2016, and I was, a lot of it was so over my head. I didn't know so many of the terms they were talking about, but I just knew I love this. (laughs) I I don't understand this totally yet, but I will. And I love it. And I want to do this. It's amazing. And, um, and I, and as I was, it was, a, I remember the Friday and Saturday, Saturday night, they kind of had like a little networking party. So I, we stayed over in the hotel that, that night and Sunday morning, I'm on, I'm at the hotel gym, I'm at the elliptical and I'm just processing the weekend. And they were talking about, you know, who do you want to work with? Build your brand, build your network. And, um, between being a lawyer and doing what I do now, I actually became a coach and I was you know, became an abundance coach for women. So I was working with women around money. And, um, and I was thinking about how amazing real estate is, especially for women, you know, because we have, we have a lot of um, economic challenges. So we we tend to get paid less for the same amount of work, um, which doesn't, that, that income gap doesn't show up in a, in Real estate, it's like people pay market rent, right? So that, you know, whether you're a man or a woman is a landlord, right? They're paying the market. Um, you, with, there's a mommy tax. If, if moms have to go away to have their kids and they lose years of seniority and, um, you know, career building time, all of that can be erased with real estate. And with this flexible, it gives us time to to be the, the women, moms, whatever we want to be. And... I was like thinking about how great it was. And then I was thinking about that room. It was a conference, there were about 120 people there. And maybe eight 
were women. Wow. Out of 120. And um, ended up joining this high-end real estate mastermind. And there was me and 19 men. Wow. (laughs) And, you know. Good for you. Yeah, except no. (laughs) It's like I shouldn't be the only woman in that room, right? No, you shouldn't. Um, But like, you know what? You had to be brave and courageous to do it. Yeah. I never let it get in get in my way. And in fact, I think it helped me in certain ways, but I, as I was on that elliptical, it came as this divine download, bring women into this room, bring women into this room. And this mission, I, I was given the, it was like, here's your mission. Should you choose to accept it? But it was, it's to help 1 million women create financial freedom through real estate investing. And the, that mission and real estate investor goddesses was born at that point. Not the how. I still don't fully know the how, but it's like here's here's the next step and the next step. And I and I, you know, I was basically, you know, I just got this full body yes about it and it felt right. And you know, more or less I said to God, like, okay, I'll I'll do this, but you just have to guide me. <laughs> He's like, oh, just tell me the next thing to do and the next thing to do. And that, so little by that's little, that's what's been created. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Look, not everybody listens to that whisper, right? You know, God yeah. gives you a little whisper, you know, go do this. And some people, why me, right? Like, you know, or I can't do it or, you know, pick somebody else. And, and you actually took it and, and you're running with it, which is fantastic. And look, I've talked to, to women and they've told me that, you know, over the last five years that they've definitely seen more and more women get involved, um, which is a fantastic thing. Um, yes. It's the numbers still are not 50-50. Um, you know, there's still a lot of room you know, for that to grow. But I think I heard somebody on a, on a podcast recently say, a, a woman say, that you maybe five years ago it was like 6%, and now it's maybe 20 or 30%. Um, and so, which is a huge increase, but, you know, there's still a lot, a lot of room to, to grow. Still more work to be done. A lot of work <laughs> to be done. And, you know, so if you look at... Um, you know, we we're talking about tax benefits. If you look at the a couple, right? Um, there's there's what's called a you know full time real estate professional, and I've seen a couple instances where you know the man is you know maybe a big corporate exec. He wants to stay there, right? And he makes a big W two, um, and then the wife got involved in real estate, and then all of a sudden all this depreciation all helped cover all of the income from her husband. And now their tax situation is, you know, where they're paying no taxes and they're able to take that money and reinvest it. And, you know, had she not gotten involved, they would still would have been, you know, I'm sure they still would have been doing just fine. I mean, high paying corporate exec, but, um, you know, that's a huge impact on their family you know, on their wealth building opportunities. And, you know, sometimes I think that, you know, especially if you were a stay-at-home mom, you know, which is an incredible job, um, it may be difficult for women to think like, well, how can I add 
value financially, right? And here's an opportunity to do it and still have the flexibility of your time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's perfect. It's perfect for, I think everybody should be investing in real estate. (laughs) I'm a little biased, but especially women. Well, I mean, you've seen the benefit. That's the thing is like, look, if you, if you went and, you know, found the cure for cancer and you had cancer and you took it and it worked, you're going to tell people about it. Right. Yeah. And you've look, you bought this property. You were just talking about one property. You bought an industrial property at 25 million and then sold it for 49 million. Like that's crazy. Right. And you had investors. (laughs) And so, you know, look, but you guys made a lot of great money in that your investors made great money in that. Um, but I've asked people like, how do you, you know, older, wealthier people, have you seen people that have just saved their way to wealth? And very, very few. Not without growing it. Right. right. So, (laughs) right. So it's like real estate, you know, building a business, you know, and selling that business at some point, you know, that after you've grown it, it could be because it has value. Where if you're an employee, the minute you walk out, you don't get, you don't get paid anymore, you know, outside your severance. If you build a company, you know, and you're growing that company, there's value to sell at the end. You own something. Real estate, you own something. Um, I mentioned my kids. My kids were complaining about gas prices, right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't like paying these gas prices either, but I'm glad I own ExxonMobil. Like, so my (laughs) stock price goes up and I pay more at the pump. But where people get yeah. hurt is if you don't own assets, you know, that especially, you know, I'm, I'm biased now too. being in the, I've only been in the real estate world for four years, but cash flowing assets, that yes. is amazing. So the, where do you, where do you think we go from here? Are we at a top? Oh, uh, top of what? To the market? Real estate market. You know, I'm, I'm asking you for, for like your outlook. Are you still bullish on buying? I think there's not one market. It's not like the Dow Jones, right? There are different asset classes. They're different um, and in different areas and different neighborhoods. So right? what not, are you bullish not everything, on? Not everything. What markets, what so, asset classes are you, are you I, still bullish on? I still really love my industrial right now um i'm still like doubling down on those and i'm I'm very excited and i think that as interest rates rise and prices fall um it's still i mean even with the interest rates i think there it's around six percent right now it's still historically low (laughs) that's you know that's not it's still quite low and we, I think, what, in the, was in the 80s. It was 18% interest rates. Right. Um, it's so, just r- risen so fast that I think it's it's been a yeah, shock it, to a lot of people. It is shocking. And inflation is rising, the highest you know rate in uh, 40 years. So, but if you've got, if you've got the cash right now, this is, it's going to be a really great time to start buying. And... Um, 
you know, as, as things, but you know, the important thing is, is you, if you can cash flow, you can buy in and you wait. So don't, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And I know that there are always people, gosh, I remember in 2016, I was a very, you know, there's a guy that had 10,000 plus units and he'd written book. It was like, I won't share his name, but a big guy in the, in the field, he's like 2016. He's like, we're at the top of the market. I'm not buying. I'm not, I've stopped buying um, uh, multifamily. It's like, really interesting. So he stopped buying in 2016. Right. And then I spoke, I saw him again in 2019. It's like, Hey, so, uh, <laughs> how's that going for you? Yeah. It was like, actually, you know, he was, he was going to be, he was, they were buying self storage at the time. It's like, what do you, he's like, you know, self storage, it's hard to move the, the needle as much. And so he was selling some of his worst performing multifamily and he was starting to buy again. But I mean, 2016 to 20, that was a lot of growth in that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've talked to um, people that have said like, I have people that say I'm waiting for a correction. And then when the correction happens, they're too afraid to pull the trigger. And yeah, those same but, people like don't ever buy. Yeah, people were, have been waiting for correction for so long. I mean, that was 2016. Right. And like, it's, that was it's six years later and there's been, Incredible growth. Can you imagine sitting out on all of that? So, so my viewpoint yeah. is, is that yeah. it's, I'm still- If the numbers make sense, right. buy. I'm still a buyer, but I, you know, I am more, I am cautious in this market and I'm, and I would probably advise people, you know, don't go all in, you know, with, yeah. at, you know, right now, but I wouldn't stop buying. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but look, I mean, if, if inflation continues and I own assets, then that should rise in value. If yeah. we have a big correction, there, you know, it, rents could come under pressure and valuations could come under pressure. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to continue to to look to buy. And um, but if, but I yeah, would if the advise, numbers make sense. If the numbers buy. right, if the numbers make but, sense. They have to make sense. But what's nice of it, if you're owning real estate right now, the rents are rising. So inflation is going to make the rents rise, going to make your asset values rise. Um, and you, when you have fixed income debt, it makes your debt actually cheaper relatively. So you're, you know, you're, the, the debt that you're paying every month, it's worth, it's like worth less and less. <laughs> so your debt is gets cheaper relatively, but the rents increase and the property values increase. So once you're, when you're, you know, you own property in this type of market, it's a good thing. Absolutely. So what's the next big stretch goal for you? You, you brought up a huge goal of, of helping 1 million women create mm -hmm. financial freedom through real estate investing. I mean, that's, that's a massive goal. Um, yeah. So I typically ask, what's your next stretch goal? But like, that is I'm a still in it. That's right. <laughs> that, that goal itself is a lifetime, right? Um, yeah. That's, that's huge. Hey, what do you like to do outside of work for fun? Hmm, so much. I love, love, love to travel. So Where? Traveling. So I, in my last big trip I was in January, I was in, uh, I went to Peru, went to Machu Picchu. Oh, nice. And I'll be, you know, well, we have some domestic travel and then uh, going to Jamaica and 
Cancun, we have our, we have our, yeah, you know, I was going to mention that like you have a, a conference coming up in, in Cancun, right? Yes, in January. So for this is for couples. So what so is that all about? It is, um, yeah, it's for couples that want to learn. It's sort of like a, it's almost a, it's a real estate investing seminar and a couples retreat. So it's how do you do this process in a way that increases your income and your intimacy? How we get get on the same page and the values wise. How do we learn? How do you speak to each other? Really um, talk each other's language so you're you can you can make really powerful decisions together and um, and just soar. So you know, that's that's, that's what awesome. That's about. When, when is that? And, and um, you know how do people learn about it? Yeah, it's January nineteenth to twenty second, twenty twenty three in Cancun, Mexico. And if you go to reisoulmates.com, you can find out all about it. So R-E-I-S-O-U-L-M-A-T-E-S.com. Awesome. So you must have a, you must have a heart for couples and marriages and so you're helping grow wealth, but you're also focused on the relationship. Yeah. Well, my, my husband's my business partner and I, you know, my, my focus has been on helping women, but a lot of women said, you know, but my husband at home, he wants to, <laughs> he wants to learn this too. He wants to be part of this and, or he's not sure how he's, he wants to be part of it. And I want him to be part of it. How do I do that? And that, that's what, that's how real estate investor soulmates was born from all these women saying, yeah, but how do I bring my, how do I bring my significant other into this? That's awesome. And it, look, I yeah. mean, for listeners benefit, whether you're getting in real estate or you start your own company or whatever, that's how a lot of needs get met is that you start going down a path and then all of a sudden you hear people asking for something. So Monique, you know, had all these followers and all these women that wanted to involve their husbands. So she went and created a way for them to do that. And that's, that's huge. You're solving a problem for people. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Um, thank you for coming on the show. You are always a, just a fresh ray of sunlight and I, I miss seeing you. Like we don't cross paths that much anymore, but I see you on I social know. media and you're doing fantastic things. So I appreciate you sharing with us today. Um, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one until next week. Sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.